When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode of Gators Breakdown is brought to you by Shark Coatings. Visit sharkfloorcoatings.com when you need professional floor coating services done right the first time. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month, get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shoutouts, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I am your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Coming at you the Monday after and the day after Florida defeats Eastern Washington in blowout fashion, of course. 52-17. to Well, we don't get to talk too many times the day after a game. It's usually a couple days after the game. But joining me right here is co-host Will Miles. You can find him at a site, readandreaction.com, on YouTube, Read and Reaction, and on Twitter at WillMilesSEC. Yeah, Will, uh, day after, 52-17 victory for Florida. You know, we saw a lot of what we needed to see. 81 players saw action you got really, really, really deep on the depth chart uh, there. You got to see players uh, probably never even heard of. Uh, some walk-ons there late in the game as well. 81 players one more time saw action for the Gators in in that route of uh, Eastern Washington. Some good, some bad. Most of that dealing with sides of the ball. We'll get into it all right here on this episode of Gators Breakdown. We'll go back and listen to what Billy Napier had to say. You also get to hear from Jalen Kitna from the first time after his performance uh, there. So we'll take a look at both sides of the ball here. You know, kind of the theme of the episode, Will. Offense sharp, defense a work in progress as SEC play ramps back up this week versus Missouri. A work in progress. That's a that's a kind way of saying it. But given given the way uh, PG, well, given the way PG, think, <laughs> given the way people feel about it. But no, I mean, I was sitting there like everybody else, with my phone out and the Florida 2022 roster open, going, "Who's that guy?" <laughs> Especially towards the end of the game. And so, I mean, look, it's nice to see these young guys get some run. And and I said this earlier going into the Tennessee game, where you know we were talking about Anthony Richardson and how much he'd struggled against Kentucky and USF, and it was like you know if you just sort of change the order 
of the games, how do we feel? Do we mm. feel differently? Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's one of the things that we still need to keep in mind is that as inconsistent as Florida was that last year and as inconsistent as they've been this year, that if you put these games in a different order, would you feel differently? And usually this is the opener, right? Usually this is like Felipe Franks building up his confidence against Charleston Southern back in 2018. Well, now you just had that the the fifth game of the year. And does that little bit of a confidence boost that, hey, when the 75-yard throws there, I'm going to be able to hit it? Or, hey, you know, when if something happens to Anthony Richardson, Jalen Kitten is going to be able to come in and be serviceable at least at quarterback. You know, those questions started to get answered. And usually you have those answers the first or second week of the year, then get into playing the Kentuckys and the Tennessees and the LSUs of the world. Florida sort of did it backwards this year. And so, uh, you know, hey. <laughs> we we had a little bit of a respite in the middle of the week. Hopefully everybody got healthy. Hopefully Richardson's ankle is 100% by the time Saturday comes around because you, know, you and I put out content, which means we're sitting there going, oh, crap, it's a short week. So the players, <laughs> players are doing that too, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll get into that too. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, Billy Napier did kind of go into kind of the schedule, uh, how it was affected last week. Uh, they did uh, positively. They started in Missouri prep last Thursday, Billy Napier said, so taking advantage of that extra day. Uh, we'll hear from Billy Napier, the head coach there, of uh, everything that has changed because of playing that game on Sunday, what that means heading into the game versus Missouri on Saturday. So, all right, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. It really helps us out here on Gators Breakdown. You get those notifications when you subscribe, uh, and you know when we go live. Monday, it's pretty set in stone. Other times of the week, it's kind of up in the air when we go live. You get that notification uh, when you subscribe for Gators Breakdown. Leave a comment. I see the comment section hopping right now here on YouTube. And also, Gators Breakdown Plus, a lot of new members uh, this past couple weeks gave you guys a preview of kind of how we do things there. With the you know the, the breather of a game versus the Eastern Washington, you saw the Q&A episode. Uh, and then on yesterday, you saw the chats that we have on there as well. So uh, new members coming in, uh, getting to enjoy Gators Breakdown and I'll post that Discord server as well. So, all right, well, uh, let's get to it. We'll start with the quarterbacks. And, of course, Anthony Richardson in his day, Jalen Kitna in his day. We'll start with the starting quarterback, Anthony Richardson. Here's what Billy Napier had to say about him. Will pretty much right there. Look, part of growth. Uh, we get, we still have to remember, even though I was really high on Anthony Richardson, you were really high on Anthony Richardson coming in. He had that little 
two-game stretch there that, look, he's still a young quarterback starting, uh, you know, still single-digit games here for the Gators, and we saw him rebound. And look, like Billy Napier was saying, it, it's part of uh, his growth right now, and I think that's exactly what we're seeing. Luckily, he was able to put those, or thankfully, he was able to put those two games behind him so far right now. Really, really coming along strong last week versus Tennessee, keeping Florida in that game, and then carrying it over uh, into this Eastern Washington game. And that's probably a big takeaway there is not knowing, even with the big game versus Tennessee, what Anthony Richardson we would still get versus Eastern Washington. The game got changed to a Sunday. It's an opponent you don't really get up for. Would he fall back to the Kentucky-USF performances? But he didn't come out very first play, of course. Uh, we see the big pass, something that he has struggled with so far this year is when Florida hasn't done it too much, and maybe because he had struggled up to this point hitting that deep ball, but 75 yards down the field right on Justin Shorter. In the past, those has been those passes have been three, four yards past the receiver. Hits this one on the very first play of the game. And then, look, they're working on some things that he can get better at. That's what this game was about. You saw some play action out of the pistol set. He's kind of struggled there a little bit. As I mentioned, hitting the deep ball as well. So you could definitely tell, uh, Will, and I think you outlined it in your article today too, that Anthony Richardson was working on some things in this game. And it turned out to be a pretty good performance at the same time. Yeah, well, I mean, anytime you average 24 yards per attempt, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, last year when he did that against, uh, what was it, USF, yeah. we went, wow, but he only threw the ball three times. This year, 8 of 10, 240 yards, two touchdowns. The one interception is the one thing that I think if you were really going to pick on things, there Absolutely. was another throw that he threw where it looked like Pearsall was open on a little curl, and he threw it to Zipper right behind him, and that was one where the defender just couldn't quite get there to jump in front of the ball. That could have been a pick six going the other way pretty easily. Um, and then the ball that he threw where he injured his ankle, where he just, you know, sometimes you just got to give up on the play, otherwise you're going to end up getting injured like that. Um, but that's a big-time throw to be able to make that throw from the position that he was in. So um, a lot of good for Anthony Richardson in this one. Still some things to improve on. You could see, and Napier talked to it, talked about it at the press conference today. I put it in the article that you can see the game slowing down for him. And you can see that when the game doesn't slow down for him, when it's something new, something that he he knows he needs to make a quick decision. There was a blitz where uh, where Eastern Washington came with the safety, and he had plenty of time, but he sort of rushed, and then he missed the throw, threw it way over Naquan Wright's head on a, on a little wheel route going out in the flat. Um, you can still see him. There are times where he rushes, and when he rushes, the ball's high. And at some point, that's going to cost him because he's going to rush on one over the middle. <laughs> the defense is going to be hanging back there, and is going to get one. But, uh, you know, look, I, I think – Considering where we were two weeks ago, coming into that Tennessee game going, is this guy even a viable Division One starter? I mean, that that literally was the conversation. It was, we know it's in there because we've seen it against LSU and we've seen it against Utah. But we also saw what happened against Georgia and we saw what happened against Kentucky and we saw what happened against USF. We saw that one interception, everything goes down the tubes. And that maybe is the thing that I take from this is he comes out to start the second half, throws the interception and then comes back out and is still slinging the ball around in that next drive. It only ends up in a field goal, but that was kind of because he threw it out in the flat to the running back and Montrell Johnson just <laughs> kind of fell down instead of just getting the first down. But um you know, again, the fact that he came out was comfortable throwing the ball. Again, Florida's ahead, so it's different than you know you throw a pick six to put your team down by seven. But uh, before when he's thrown an interception, it's sort of snowballed. And this time he throws an interception, it doesn't snowball. He continues to play well. And then obviously Kitna takes over for him shortly after that. So a lot of good out of this one. Obviously, Eastern Washington was overmatched. And you know I think that's that's part of the story. But part of it is, and this is the thing that made me think 
that Richardson was going to be okay, particularly after the Kentucky game. I had more concerns after the USF game. But the Kentucky game, he was just missing guys who were open. But he was going to the right spot with the ball. And I think that you saw that again in the Eastern Washington game. Yeah, guys are wide open, but he's going to the right spot with the ball. And sometimes the guys being open are because you're going to the right to the right guy. Sometimes the guys being wide open are because you know you act, you're seeing the field, you're getting it to, to where it needs to go. And sometimes it's because you throw them open. And Richardson has the ability to do all of those things. But uh, the fact that he was going to the right guy, reading coverages, moving guys with his eyes, all that sort of stuff, I think bodes well moving forward. Now that doesn't mean that Florida's going to put up 52 mm-hmm. points against everybody that they play, but they also took their foot off the gas. I mean, this game could have been 70 easily. Correct. Steve Spurrier would have put up 77 in this one. There's <laughs> no doubt about that. And uh, and so they have the capability of doing that. And quite honestly, you start looking at the offensive numbers. It's weird. Last during in the uh, in the preview magazine that, that we put out at Read and Reaction, we talked about how last year Florida ranked sort of top 20 in terms of offense and yards per play, but they were like 65th in points per game. The same exact thing is what's happened so far this year. And you can really trace that to the interception. So, you know, Richardson is going to have to stop turning over the ball. Like out of all the things that were bad for Saturday, it was the interception. He didn't need to throw that ball. He had a guy wide open in the flat underneath, just needed to drop it off, check it down, take what the defense gives you and live for another play. The home run isn't always there and you don't always have to take it. Um, The fact that he's got, you know, Four touchdowns and six interceptions is a problem. That six interceptions is a problem. The four touchdowns is less a problem, but the six interceptions is a problem. You can't turn the ball over, you know, one point five times a game and expect to win on a regular basis. But if if he can fix that, the explosivity of this offense is really, really going to be fun to watch, and that's good because they're going to need it. Yeah, they're going to need it too, Will. Because look, we we expect some close games here, and you can't have as good as Anthony Richardson might play in those games. You can't have those turnovers be the difference. Uh, and what we expect is going to be maybe some shootout games or some close games because of you know a defense that's kind of unreliable right now in in you know in, in putting a complete package together for a game. So yeah, those interceptions, you know, Florida's going to be in a lot of close battles because of their defense, and you can't have your quarterback going out there turning the ball over uh, there in in the games uh, to come. And kind of will uh, kind of going back, and we mentioned the Kentucky games and the USF games. And that's kind of where I do want to give you know give him some credit because. It don't matter who Florida would have played that night. AR lineup against Kentucky. Um, you know, I'll, I, I made sure to credit Kentucky, and I'm still going to credit Kentucky for a little bit of what they did. But if Florida was playing Eastern Washington that night, it was probably going to look the exact same way. As you said, at least the decision making was good. But he wasn't hitting the bras out of a barn. It could have been Eastern Washington that night. It could have been. Pierce County High School that night. It could have been a middle school that night. Anthony Richardson wasn't hitting anybody that night. So I, that's what I'm saying. I'm glad he was able to bounce back from that. And, and, you know, two games in a row now. Now SEC play ramps back up, and we'll see what this quarterback does. But I do think, you know, we feel a lot better mentally as a, as a fan base, and I hope it bleeds over uh, into him as well that, you know, um, that, you know, and Billy Napier mentioned it. There was a lot on his shoulders uh, there the first couple of games. He probably let it get to him a bit. That comes with experience as well. Okay, well, I already dealt with that. You know, and now I kind of know the expectation. I know uh, how I need to handle myself when the praise comes, when the negativity comes, when the criticism's there. And now, you know, that's, that's only going to come with experience, whether it be on the field, off the field. That's what we're just going to have to get. You know, that's what Anthony Richardson's going to have to get used to week in and week out. And, you know, now two weeks in a row, Passing that with flying colors, and Will, you go, you mentioned at the same time at the same time in this in this conversation, it's not going to be easy from here on out. And then there's going to be some bad plays, there's going to be some negative plays. And I, I like you, that probably is the next step for Anthony Richardson. Is first of all, stop the turnovers. But if they are there, 
against formidable opponents, how do you bounce back from them? Uh, and you know, the Tennessee fumble, uh, you can kind of go that too. I mean, he did fumble and was able to, to bounce back after that as well, keep Florida in that game. He didn't let that get to him, uh, kept Florida in that game as well. One more time, you don't want to see the turnover, but it was there. He bounced back. Same thing again this week, even though the opponent was nowhere near the same. Uh, but maybe incremental steps we'll here, Will. Yeah, I mean, look, I think we, I talked about this after the Kentucky game that, uh, you know, that, that even outstanding quarterbacks, guys like Joe Burrow struggled early on, and then you sort of saw a switch flip. And I'm starting to wonder, and I think we're all starting to wonder, was was that Tennessee a flipping of the switch? Was that game where, where we're going to look back and go, yeah, we lost that game. Yeah, Richardson fumbled that ball. But, man, ever since then, it's just been this this high of him playing better and better and better. And, I mean, he, he was unbelievable in the game against Eastern Washington. I mean, again, the one interception, but you look at, like, what you expect a quarterback to do. And Napier even mentioned about Kitna um, after the game in terms of him not letting the ball hit the ground during practice. Well, Richardson did that during the game. There were only a couple <laughs> of balls that hit the ground in, in, in the game. And so making the right decisions, getting the ball to the right spot, Obviously, the interception, uh, yeah, we'd like to give that back. But, you know, he's going to make some mistakes. He's a guy who's going to put the ball up. And I think considering that last year we had lots of questions about whether Emory Jones was willing to throw the ball deep. I don't have any questions about that with Anthony Richardson. I have no <laughs> doubt that he's going to chuck the ball up there. The question is, should he chuck the ball up there? And I think, you know, the next step isn't just avoiding the interceptions and how you deal with it. The next step is figuring out you got running backs who are open. Because uh -huh. they are, because the defense is getting stretched, and if there's one thing that I think this tape is going to do, is and the tape against Tennessee is going to do, it's going to make defenses realize they have to cover the entire field because Richardson has a cannon, and so by making everybody cover the entire field, it's going to open up the tight end sitting there, you know, three, four, five yards on a hitch. It's going to open up the running back if there's no linebacker to block or if they're spying Richardson with the linebacker. Well, now the running back has an ability to maybe get out in the flat and make a big play that way. He's going to, as he develops, find easier ways to make these plays. But the fact that he can make the really difficult play right now <laughs> is the thing that makes everybody so excited, right? Because if he can just master the easy stuff, yep. then the and then you combine that with what he's already shown, you've got a, you've got a quarterback who can go out there and keep you in any game. And, and you know, last year, you know, say what you will about either unit. In the unit, sometimes the offense showed up, sometimes the offense didn't. Sometimes the defense showed up, sometimes the defense didn't. But we didn't think we had any shot against Georgia. Like th there just wasn't. And two years ago against Alabama, even though they put up a pretty good showing there in the SEC championship game, it was still sort of like, all right, that game wasn't as close as the score actually indicates. And so, you know, the fact that Florida now has somebody who, if he shows up and plays his a game, puts them in position to be able to win against anybody is really exciting. And so, uh, you know, that's building. I don't want to get too high because mm -hmm. there could be another stinker on the horizon, right. Here, right? I mean, that's the thing is we haven't had any medium-level Anthony Richardson games. The Utah game, he was fantastic. Kentucky game mm -hmm. and USF game, he was just awful. Yep. The game against Tennessee, he was awesome. And the game against Eastern Washington, <laughs> he was awesome. Even last year, the game against Georgia, he was terrible. The game, the game against uh, USF, he was awesome. Yep. Like, you just go back. It's a lot of really, really awesome and really, really terrible and not a whole lot in between. He's going to have to fix that. 
right? He's going to have to have a game where he doesn't have it, right? Where he can't hit the broadside of a barn, where he's struggling with his accuracy, where the defense is doing something he didn't anticipate, where he throws an interception on sort of a freak play like he did against Kentucky, and he just manages to figure out, okay, how am I going to get this win even though things aren't going my way, even though my quarterback rating stinks, even though my receivers can't get open, even though the running lanes are getting are getting squeezed by linebackers who are more athletic, or even though my offensive line's struggling, or even though there's an injury on the offensive line that that's making it difficult for me. Like his next step really is figuring out how do I how do I make it happen when I don't actually have it. Right, because when he has it, it's magical. But when he doesn't have it, it's been putrid. And so that that average game, honestly, if he goes out and just plays kind of average against Missouri, but he finds a way to win at the end, that would almost be better than if he goes out and just mm. lights him up. Because if he goes out and lights him up, it's like, okay, we know you can do that. Yeah. The question is, if you go out there and you're having a bad game and you've thrown a couple of picks and things aren't going your way, do you have the ability to pick yourself up off the carpet and drive Florida down the field and win him the game? He does that next week, I'm gonna be like. All right. <laughs> like, I know, and, and, I, and I brought it up before, but maybe maybe the Bryce Young performance like at Texas. You know, the game's not going well. Fourth quarter rolls around, you find a way to win anyway. Well, and that Bryce Young game against Texas, Bryce Young wasn't playing well. Right. Like it, it wasn't okay, I mean, yeah, Alabama good point. wasn't playing good point. great. Yep. But I mean but Bryce Young was playing like garbage and, yep. and he managed to turn it around when everything needed to be turned around. And you know, that Kentucky game, that was the discouraging thing. It's like, okay, you made a couple of mistakes. You threw that pick six. It was awful. You threw the interception at the end of the half. It's not like that one wasn't terrible, but Hey, it still killed it. Like it was still a bad turnover, but then to not be able to turn that around, to not be able to, um, to, to not be able to say, Hey, let's drive down the field. Let's put that out of my mind. Um, that's the thing that I think everybody went, Oh no. I mean, I, I'm sure you had it. I had so many people reach out to me and go, he's done. Like mentally, he's just done. He's got the yips. Like, especially after the yep. USF game, that, all I heard is he's got the yips. He's got the yips. He's got the yips. And you know, turns out that sometimes people just, <laughs> just struggle at some point. And, but again, that that narrative is going to exist in some people's minds until he has a bad game and is able to win one at the end. But yeah, I mean, I hope he goes out and throws for 400 yards against Drinkwitz. I can't stand that guy, but you know, <laughs> irrespective, irrespective, um, you know, I, I think he proves more by leading Florida on like a game winning drive when he's not having a great game or against a great defense, right? Like if he goes out against Georgia. Oh man, you read my mind. I was like, I'll take 400 yards every there. game, Will. But maybe, yeah, maybe the maybe the Georgia game is where. You know, he doesn't play so well just because of that defense, but finds a way to win anyway. Well, let's be honest, Dave. He's going to need to put up 60 points against I'm, Georgia, so we're, we're, uh, we're, yeah, we're getting way ahead <laughs> so of ourselves. So we need the 400-yard performance. Yeah, and this is, you know, fantasy land, I guess, a little bit anyway. But, uh, you know, maybe Georgia plays like they did this past week, and, you know, Florida has their best game of the season. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying that Florida <laughs> doesn't have a shot. I think they got no, a shot if Richardson plays great. I don't think the Georgia game is the game that Richardson's going to be able to have a bad game and then lead him at the <laughs> mm, end mm, mm. Down, down to win Absolutely the game. Not. He's going to have to be the reason they win that game. Correct. Correct, correct. All right, there we go. We'll move on now to the backup quarterback. And first time we've got to see a backup quarterback this year, Will. Uh, five games into the season, look, a couple of weeks ago, we were hoping to see some backup quarterback action, but that game was a little bit closer than what we thought it would be. But here is Billy Napier on Jalen Kitten's performance and the quarterback himself on his performance and his season and career so far.
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, well, very encouraging there. The offense, you know, the the it look it was kind of the same play calls uh, there. They weren't changing the offense completely between the two quarterbacks there. And look, I love the confidence the staff showed at the same time to. You throw him out there in that situation and out there letting him throw the ball. You know, he comes in for a situation where Anthony Richardson's banged up and he was ready. Uh, the staff was ready. He was ready. And he had to get ready fast. And he was. Uh, completes his first pass. You know, kind of a summary here uh, there. If you weren't able to watch the game, and a lot of people, I know a lot of people out there weren't able to really to watch the game, but. You know, and if you've watched highlights, you probably didn't get to see every throw he made. But you know, his first pass, he's rolling out uh, off a of play action with the, those flood concepts that we've seen oh so many times this year. Easy read, four receivers over there on that side of the field, and it wasn't really an easy throw. You had the Eastern Washington uh, defender coming right at him, completes that pass to a stretching Pearsall, uh, and then he hits that nice go route to freshman Caleb Douglas. You like to see that in a game like this. Redshirt freshman quarterback, freshman receiver. For a touchdown, couldn't have put the air under the ball. Um, uh, you know, allowing Douglas just to get hit in stride, beats one on one coverage there for the touchdown. Uh, and then later, and I mentioned this to you, Will, because as soon as it happened, I had to make sure I, I had to message Will behind the scenes there because you've pointed it out many, many times earlier this season. And you kind of talked about it with Anthony Richardson at the same time where he hits a running back on just, you know, the, the oh so open check down. That's right there. Kitten shows the ability to go through his progressions, finds Lingard on a check down, ends up gaining 15 yards. And then another one that just, you know, kind of just got overlooked a bit, you know, of course, in the highlights. Another one where, where he made a quick decision. Uh, pressure was coming after, you know, he corralled a low snap, stands tall, found Dejon Reynolds for a nice gain of 20. So he was calm, he was confident, he was composed. A lot what I saw from the backup quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it helps that uh, there wasn't any pass rush. Right? I mean, that that, def- that definitely helps things. Absolutely. And I don't want to throw a whole bucket of water on people, but I mean, again, Eastern Washington. I think we needed this. What would we feel like if this was the first game of the year and it was a cupcake? We'd go, "Oh, it's a cupcake!" Like yep. you know, what did we really learn? Now, I think we learned a few things. One thing is, is that Eastern Washington did have a couple of times where they they either right before the snap or post snap altered their coverage. They did that to Kitna on the long throw to Douglas and the long throw opened up because their safeties shifted right before the snap happened. So the fact that he saw that they identified it and then he threw to the right guy is, is great. Now the question I have is, did he actually identify the blitz or was he going there the whole time? And it was going to be a throw to double coverage that we won't know until we have more than, you know, a 12 throw sample size, the flood route again, they showed it from the backside. You could actually, that was one that I diagrammed in the article. You can actually see that what he's seeing in terms of the Eastern Washington defenders, he's got three guys to pick from. Pearsall's the open guy, picks him, delivers a throw. It's not a great throw, but it's a good throw. Mm-hmm. Gets there, able to hit him. If he'd have hit him right in stride, it might be a touchdown. The fact that he made him stretch a little bit sort of drove him out of bounds there towards the end of that, towards the end of that play. But again, your first throw as a gator to go out there and hit an explosive, you know, I think it was like 24, 25 yards to, to Pearsall. A good debut, right? I mean, I think it is interesting, though, because you like he hit the long one to Douglas, and you're sitting there going, okay, well, Richardson hit the long one to Shorter. But Richardson was 8 of 10 for 240 
Kitna was eight of 12 for 152. So, so like just in terms of like their ability and their ceiling, I think that sort of suggests what we're seeing here is that Kitna um, does not have the same arm strength as Richardson, does not have the same foot speed as Richardson, but has proved himself to understand the offense well enough to be able to execute it, um, you know, given sort of the short notice coming in the game. Now, he also knows he's coming in in the Eastern Washington game, so he's gotten the number two reps right. but also been told he's going to be in the game. So this isn't like Richardson got injured against Tennessee mm-hmm. and Kitna had to come in and take some snaps. This is a game where he's prepared to be in it. So that's, yeah, th- that's going to be the next This time. isn't Kyle Trask, Kentucky, when Floyd play France goes down. <laughs> no, well, but again, I mean, I, I think I think it's interesting because you're always looking at the backup quarterback saying, is he better than the starting quarterback? And it's always interesting when the starting quarterback goes 8 of 10 for 240. <laughs> you still hear from people going, oh, that backup quarterback, uh-huh. he's pretty good. I mean, you got one guy in your mentions talking about putting Richardson at linebacker because Kitten is going to take because the job. Will, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. But I mean, look, <laughs> he could have come in and just been awful. Like there he you go. Come in and, he could have come in and overthrown yeah. everything and yep. made bad reads and thrown interceptions and looked shaky and you know fumbled a, a mesh with a running back and all those sorts of things. He didn't do any of that, right? He came in, looked like you said, looked very calm and collected, was able to make the throws they asked him to make, and that's what you want from a backup quarterback. Now, his motion is a little bit slow or a little bit loose. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that about, too. Yep. You think you think about Tebow's motion, and everybody all everybody always got upset about his motion, especially as he went to the NFL. When there's some pressure on him, he's gonna like that's gonna be the thing I think he's gonna have to develop, especially if he wants to be a, a top tier SEC quarterback. Is the motion can't be loopy like that, um, unless you've got guys like Percy Harvin running on the sideline, then maybe you can get away with it. But <laughs> um, but I, I think there's some mechanical things. I think um, you know certainly it takes more than twelve throws to know. Right. If we'd have made a determination about Anthony Richardson after 12 throws, I think we would have been like, oh, the guy's going to win the Heisman. Like, just just got to put him in. Now, maybe we did make that determination. After 12 <laughs> throws, but that's because that's what we were looking That's because of how good it was. But uh, look, awesome debut. You yeah. can't ask for more than going eight of 12 for 152 yards and a touchdown. Uh, QB rating up over 200. I still think Richardson played better. But, uh, but you know, look, I mean, all Florida needs is a serviceable backup yeah. that allows them to not be afraid to put Richardson out there running if they have to. And I think Kitna gave everybody some confidence that if something were to happen to Richardson short term, that Florida will at least be able to weather the storm a little bit. Yeah, you know, I, I was asked uh, on Discord last night, do I feel better about next year if AR leaves because of this? I'm like, no, no. Like you said, it is Eastern Washington. It is a small sample size. And now at least he did what he was supposed to do. And I'm going to give him credit there because a lot of people, a lot of teams don't get credit for doing what they're supposed to do. I I, I repeat that all the time. And at least there now is some hope uh, of a backup quarterback. Like you said, he didn't go out there and stink it up. That you know, we, we you, I think you can determine a whole lot if you go out there and stink it up in a game like this. But he went out there, played well, looked confident, you know. And like you will, I will show some patience in determining anything here uh, with, with Jalen Kitten and his future. Um, you know, this is the same defense that Bo Nix threw for 277 yards and five touchdowns, and we know what he is in the SEC. He's not an SEC quarterback, and he lit up the same defense. So you know, do you, you, you kind of. Compare a little bit. Can transitive property get you in trouble a bit? Absolutely, it can. But we know Eastern Washington, not a formidable opponent. And he was going, you know, you, you expect a Florida quarterback to go out there and play well. He did. Congrats to him. Uh, and as I said, beats the alternative uh, of going out there and, and playing bad. And first first time, I'm very young quarterback, able, ready to go. 
I don't really care about the opponent in that in that mind. I I I, I like seeing a guy go out there and just do what he's supposed to do. Yeah, I mean, I think you can say the same thing about Florida's offense in general. I mean, Correct. they averaged thirteen point three yards per play for the entire game. Only fifty plays, but put up six hundred sixty six yards. Eastern Washington couldn't stop them. That's mm. how it's supposed to be. Yes. Right. And so that's all you could ask. I mean, all you could ask is that the unit play like they should against an opponent like that. Look, Tennessee couldn't stop them last week. Utah couldn't stop them to open the game or to open the season. The only the only people who've been able to stop them is when they've stopped themselves by just being inaccurate and being maybe more tentative than they should have in those two games in the second and third game of the year. And so this offense has the ability to be really, really, really good. And they showed that they have that ability. Kitna showed that he has the ability to come in and, again, do what he do what he needs to do in a situation where, look, we're not going to come out of there with some judgment about him as an SEC quarterback. They didn't play an SEC team. Right. He's going to have to get real run against a real SEC opponent in order for us to make any sort of determinations about whether he's ready to go. And, you know, I made a joke earlier about the first 12 plays for Anthony Richardson. And, but to be honest, we didn't know until that LSU game. And then that LSU game happened and we were like, oh, <laughs> like this isn't just USF. This isn't just FAU. This isn't a couple of runs against Kentucky or something like that. The offense looks different, and oh my goodness! And granted, we came down to earth against Georgia the next week. Sort of had the experience this year where we went, oh man, against Utah, and then against Kentucky the next week. So he's given us a little bit of that roller coaster. But Anthony Richardson has played well against SEC opponents at this point, and so I don't think there's any question that he has that capability. Kit don't have to show us that. And you know, hopefully he doesn't get an opportunity to. I don't yeah. want him to have yeah, an right. opportunity to. At or, least not or, this year. Or but, if he uh, does, it's in blowout fashion. Somehow Florida gets up by a few scores in the second half, and we see Jalen Kitna out there. I tell you what, that sounds like the perfect storyboard for the Georgia game this year. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll take that. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, Will, you talked about the offense doing what they were supposed to do this game, and there is another side of the ball that we must discuss, and we will do that on the other side of this. You know the goosebumps you get when Florida takes the field? Or when that 63-yard Hail Mary actually works? Or the thrill of a game-winning interception in the end zone? What a rush. You can experience that same rush every day at your home with Shark Coatings. We'll cover your old, ugly concrete with a beautiful industrial concrete coating and a warranty that lasts longer than most careers in professional football. So whether your garage floor is for parking, partying, or working out, Shark Coatings can transform it. And if your pool deck is starting to look like a bulldog, old, cracked, smells like pee, Shark Coatings can transform that too. Shark Coatings is easy to clean, stain resistant, and is 100% antibacterial and antimicrobial. We're easy on the eyes and on the maintenance. Gator Nation is worldwide, and Shark Coatings is based right in the heart of it. So whether you live in Brunswick, Georgia, or Live Oak, Florida, down to Ocala, over to New Smyrna Beach, or anywhere in between, Contact us for a free estimate today. Learn more at sharkfloorcoatings.com. That's sharkfloorcoatings.com. All right, back at it right here. A 52-17 win over Eastern Washington, Will. But uh, look, 17 for Eastern Washington, not too bad. You take a look at the yardage and over 400 yards of offense, and that's where uh, you get a little... um, I guess aggravated still with the defense and, and their performance. And now, you know, two... Opponents, like we were saying, you did what you were supposed to uh, versus Eastern Washington this time. Now, a couple weeks ago, the offense didn't do their job either uh, in the defense either, but you still come out with a victory over USF. 
Fast forward a couple of weeks against an overmatched opponent. The offense did what they were supposed to do. You were hoping to see that with the defense. Did not get that uh, from the defense. And Will, uh, I, I think you you put it in your article uh, a bit today and kind of last week as well and talking about how you fix this defense and the defense and also kind of what we have seen, especially the last couple of weeks. They are not winning up front whatsoever, and it starts right there. Yeah, I mean – they got eight sacks all year in five games. They're averaging 1.6 sacks per game. Last year, they averaged 2.9 per game. And so the quarterback isn't under any pressure, and it ends up cascading, right? I mean, you, you don't get any pressure on the quarterback. The linebackers, you're not occupying multiple offensive linemen. That means the off the pulling offensive linemen can get to the linebackers, and the linebackers expect to get mauled. Though even in that case, there was a play I diagrammed in the article where the, the defensive line actually did his job and occupied all the offensive linemen, and, the, and um, Ventro Miller and Jason Marshall ran into each other as the uh, – as the Eastern Washington running back cut back into a lane that I believe was supposed to be Ventro Miller's spot. Um, I mean, well, I'm glad so. you brought that up too, because even when they, and Billy Napier has said it many times, guys will do their job and somebody else will mess up. But man, even, yeah, even when they did their job, I mean, okay, even if Jervon Dexter's getting double, triple teamed or however it works out, you know, and it leaves a numbers advantage for the defense and, or you have somebody who, all right, it's a one-on-one -on -one battle now, you know, it, you, you, You've you've occupied up front. It's time for somebody on the second level to win their battle, and they don't win their battle either. It's just, I know we we will have a lot of answers for that, but it's just frustrating because really up front, and then especially against an opponent like this, that's where it's aggravating. You should be able to win up front. You should be able to go out there and push them around, and we didn't see it. Yeah, I mean the problem is they they got five sacks from linebackers, and they have three sacks from the defensive line. That's your problem right there. Yep. Like the fact that the fact that you have to blitz to get home or that you have to run a simulated pressure and drop a defensive lineman into coverage in order to get home. The fact that you have to trick the offense in order to get home is, is part and parcel to everything that's a problem, right? And there was that sort of like two-drive stretch where Brenton Cox was a monster against Kentucky. Other than that, he's been pretty quiet. You know, you mentioned Javon Dexter. He's got a half a sack, not a lot of tackles for loss this year so far. He's getting double and triple teamed, and so it's not necessarily fair to say, hey, you got to take on three guys and make the play. But you know what? If you're taking on three guys, then that means there Some shouldn't be anybody else to, to to block the other defensive end and the other nose tackle and 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 the buck who's, who's coming in and pass rushing. There have to be one-on-one -on -one matchups somewhere if you're getting double and triple teamed up front. And to be and fair, though, even when he's not battles. double or triple teamed, he's still not winning battles. Well, and I mean, look, if you go back to the Tennessee game and just draw a line on the line of scrimmage on every play, anytime Tennessee ran the ball, you could probably pause it right when they hand the ball to the running back. You can probably draw a line about three yards downfield from where Florida's defensive line is. There were a couple of plays. McClellan in particular was mm -hmm. able to get in a couple of times into the backfield. But for the most part, you just look at it and go, they're knocking them back one, two, three yards every time they hand them the ball. And so if you're not scared as an offensive line of the defensive line that's coming after you, well, then it's again, it's a cascading effect because then the defensive backs know they have to guard forever. They know they better not get beat on a double move. They know that they need to give more space to make sure that, you know, that they don't get beat deep because there's no hot read coming out because nobody's afraid of the blitzing linebacker coming <laughs> in. Um, you know, so that I, 
it's not just the defensive line, but it starts there. Correct. And, and one of the, one of the things is is that you know we we've known this was the place where we said, look, like we're really concerned about the defensive line all off season. If you ask me, what am I concerned about? I'm like the defensive line. I'm really concerned about the. Defensive <laughs> I got tired line. of talking about it, but again, it, and it's coming to fruition times ten. Well, I mean, <laughs> the the problem is is that Zach Carter was apparently a really, really <laughs> good defensive end last year. Now, I mean, look, seven and a half sacks. Yeah, right. and, I think, and I think Carter was really solid at setting the edge. I think Carter was also able to slide in the inside and make things easier for guys in there as well. Without him there, there just hasn't – you know, Brenton Cox had eight sacks last year. Zach Carter had seven and a half. No one else, I think, had more than like three. They had 11 uh, – then two and a half. They had 11 players with one sack or above, but nobody else above two and a half. Which meant that one of those guys between that one and two and a half was going to have to step up and replace the production from Carter. Well, no one's done that. Brenton Cox hasn't put up the same production as he did last year. And part of that is probably because he doesn't have Carter on the other right. side. There you go. And yep. so, you know, you've got one sack from Human Meelan, one sack from Boone, and a half a sack from Dexter. It's just not good enough. And, you know, not specifically to those players. In fact, the problem is, is that those were the guys we sort of said, well, not Boone and Human Meelan, but Dexter and Cox were the guys we said, okay, just give us what you gave us last year and then have people step up around you who can give more. And there just hasn't been anybody who stepped up around them, which is part of the reason why Justice Boone started the other day. They're sort of looking for a spark. Um, same thing in the defensive backfield, right? That's a lot a big reason why Kamari Wilson started back there. Um, you know, we saw a lot of the one black in this in this game. We'll see whether he gets more run. So there's going to be some opportunities, I think, for some of these younger guys Here as you go, the Will. season progresses yeah. to get more time. There you go. You, you segue. Yeah, I knew so, it was coming. Yeah, so Gators defense versus Eastern Washington, and look at the young names we see here: Shamar James, career high eight tackles; Kamari Wilson, career high six tackles that look you expect to you, you first of all you started to expect it to see it in, in, in this game then they needed to go out there and perform versus eastern washington like this miguel mitchell who was out there early uh there of course you know uh trading now not, not playing so you start seeing some other safeties miguel mitchell number 10 was out there he had a career high four tackles also that first uh that forced fumble early in the game too mcclellan had the fumble recovery first of his career Dewan Black, three tackles, career high for him, one tackle for loss. Uh, Britton Cox, two tackles for loss. He didn't play much after that. Uh, Mari Bernie, would, and this is part of what Will's going to, Mari Bernie, a sack, second straight game, three sacks across the last Florida's last two matchups, four and a half tackles for loss for Bernie, four sacks on a year. That leads both teams. We would have never come into the season at probably any point and said, especially through five games, and said Amari Bernie's going to lead the team in tackles for loss and sacks. And, you know, credit to him for getting those stats, but that's part of the issue there. He should not be leading the, the, the team in tackles for loss and sacks there. Credit to him for doing it, but as it says right there, no other Gator has multiple sacks. And then some other players here, some young guys uh, mixed in there too. Uh, Yuman Miela in one sack, four and a half sacks for his career now. Corey Collier, uh, coming into the game. Keenan Landry, Jack Pyburn also get in on the action uh, with this game there. But we in the matchup in a game. Uh, we wanted to start seeing some younger players. We did. They, they A lot of those guys perform. And I'm going to go, you know, to this point right here, and we start wondering, you know, when will we start seeing some of the younger guys? Uh, when do you start making that switch? And I know a lot of other people wanted that kind of out there early. But, you know, you, I think you start looking at it like coaches do, and Florida had a very tough schedule early on in the season. So what are coaches going to do? They're going to go out there and they're going to rely on guys uh, that have experience, that have played in those big games, that have played in those atmospheres, 
And while, you know, while they're still learning about this team, they're, that's going to be their fallback. And they're still learning about the team. They're still learning about the young guys, uh, too, and how much they can trust them. So I think, I think their early season uh, schedule played a part in that. But now with the schedule easing up, and we got enough data points, as we like to say, you know, there, there are plenty of reasons to start seeing some of these young guys out there. Yeah, I mean, look, I think if you were going to look at this Eastern Washington game and say, what are the positives? The positives are, other than the last two drives of the game, they only gave up one explosive play, one play that was over 20, 20 yards. They gave up four in the last two drives, but those are guys who, quite honestly, are not going to see the field in important moments mm-hmm. when, when, when things go. The, the issue with Florida's defense, and it's been this way all year long, is the plays between 10 and 19 yards. It's the two-yard gain that turns into 12, and there was a perfect example of it on the on the first play of the game. There's a little throw out to – it was either tight end or a wide receiver. Omari Bernie was in him, you know, had him one-on-one coverage right there to drop him for a one-yard gain. All he had to go down – all he had to do was drive through the hip, go down, grab him around the ankles, and wrap him up. Instead, he goes high, comes over the top. The guy turns back to the inside. It ends up being an 11-yard gain, gain to start the game. Florida gave up 12 plays between 10 and 19 yards against Eastern Washington. And, we'll, average- and before you go, and you may have this, so if you do, I don't know if you do or not, do you, ha- do you have – how many of those were on first down? Because Florida got worked on first down. <laughs> I don't have the number uh, yeah. that are on first it, down. It just came in my head, so I'm sorry, but yeah. No, no, no. So, but that—that's the thing is all year long. So that was that was actually an improvement. They only gave up 14 percent of their plays between that 10 and 19 yards. For the overall year, it's 18 percent. They've given up 57 plays that are between 10 and 19 yards. When you look at all the other stats for Florida in terms of their defense last year, 20 plus yard plays, 30 plus yard plays, 40 plus yard plays, it's basically the same. The place where they're getting worked is in that 10 to 19 yard range, and it's happening both on the ground and through the air. And the problem is, is that if 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 those 10 plus yard plays are like, you know, one out of like one out of five, mm-hmm. then every time you got a third down, <laughs> like you're, you're like you you know you're you're going to be sitting in third and two, and then you pop a 12 yard gain instead of just having to fight for that first down, and it's just been bad all year long. And and until they fix that. And really, it's a tackling problem. I mean, you saw it was like the third play of the game, I think, on a third down, maybe the fourth play. Jadon Hill, and granted, Hill hasn't been through spring or fall practice, and he's coming off an ACL injury and those sorts of things. But again, he misses a tackle very much the same way Bernie did on a little on a little out, on a third and four, just a little hitch. And he has him two yards behind the line of scrimmage. Doesn't get him down. It turns into a, like a 14 or 15-yard gain. Those plays... They're going to have to get people to the ground. And I don't know how else to say it other than, I mean, if you play one-on-one coverage and you're guarding a guy and you're in the right position and he makes the, and he makes the catch, you got to get him on the ground. And they just have not been able to do that. And, you know, so if you ask me, what is the problem? The problem, yeah, there are, there are guys who don't necessarily know their assignments and their. I think there's some confidence in there too. I, I, I do think now, you know, and we talked about this with the last staff too. And, 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 you know, I, we'll have to, it had to get to a point where it's fixed. You know, it's still very early on here. Uh, but, you know, is there confidence in, be, in, in what they're being asked to do? We kept uh, coming back and how complicated the last defense was. And we heard all offseason, Will, you and I talked to plenty of players. And, you know, it kind of didn't look that you're going to get that in the offseason. <laughs> Everything's going to sound better. Everything's going to be easier. 
But I do think there's some confidence there. You know, they're not attacking. Uh, they're getting attacked. They let plays come to them too much. I, that's one big thing I've noticed, even against Eastern Washington, when you think you should be able to attack, it does look like, you know, some players are lost. They're not confident in, in, in being what they're asked to do. I know a lot of people have noticed the DBs playing off too, and it didn't seem to start that way the first couple of games. That has kind of come, uh, I think, recently, definitely starting with the USF game. I've noticed the the, the cornerbacks uh, maybe not playing as tight of coverage. Uh, Billy Napier mentions it as well. We'll hear from him in just a second about this defense. But uh, I think kind of going to that point maybe is maybe they don't trust these safeties and they're backing off these cornerbacks a little bit to help save this big play. And I, 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 I do wonder if that comes into it. Now, that's kind of a preference thing. You know, do you – at least as a from a fan perspective, I know we we want to see, especially with Corey Raymond on the sideline, you want to see these slaughtered DBs in the face of receivers. But if the coaches don't trust those safeties, they're probably going to back these defensive backs up a little bit. Well, I mean, look, if you're going again, if you're going to take a silver lining from this game, I think you'd say there weren't any giant coverage busts. Yeah, I would say there was one wheel route where I think they didn't cover it real well, but other than that, there weren't massive coverage busts. I mean, it was just bust after bust after bust after bust against against Tennessee. Um, you know, obviously some different guys in there. You had. Uh, you know, you had uh, Kamari Wilson in for Trey Dean. You had um, Jadon Hill in for Avery Helms. You had some mm-hmm. guys in there who hadn't been in the past. Maybe that has something to do with it. But here's the deal. These guys, I've heard people talk, especially, you know, it's basically an excuse for the staff to sit there and go, well, you know, these are Grantham's players and Mullen's players and just wait till they get their own players. This defense is so bad. There's no excuse. Like and and you look at the talent profile of the guys who were starting. Like I, I put together a profile for the starting defense versus Tennessee. They had an average star ranking of four, a national ranking of two fifty three, and a twenty four seven ranking of ninety two point three. So higher than than uh, the Napier's current recruiting class. Now we can talk about their their places on the defense where they're thin. <laughs> But even if you look at the defensive line, we were just talking about Gervon Dexter, five-star, Brenton Cox, five-star, Human Meelan, four-star. Desmond Watson's the lowest-ranking guy. He's one of the guys who's actually been halfway decent up there. You look at the linebacker, Amari Bernie was a four-star. You got Jason Marshall, who's a five-star on the outside. Torrance, Dean, and Helm are all four-stars on the outside. These are all highly qualified, highly talented players. Now, you're not always going to hit with these guys, but there's four-stars behind them. Right. I mean, you start looking at guys like Hill and guys like Wilson and guys like, you know, Shamar James, like there are highly talented people behind them. I could understand if they were like middle of the pack of the SEC. You're like, all right, this is a learning experience. And yeah, they're struggling, but they're learning. You know, Grantham had a defense that was a complete 180, like all this sort of stuff. They are dead last in every single major statistical category I can see in the SEC that has anything to do with actually scoring and like dead last they're worse than Vanderbilt <laughs> and, and and so you know I, I I get why people are frustrated with Patrick Tony and look I, I think I'm watching these plays going that tackle has to be made that tackle has to be made that guy's in the right position well that guy completely blew that coverage you gotta get him off the field like you can see like the one guy who's screwing things up on just about every play. But at some point, like they're the worst defense in the sec. They're worse than Vanderbilt. I I just, I don't know what to say. Like at some point, like there, there has to be some level of accountability from, from the staff saying, look, we're, we're going to put either our young guys in and let them, let them sink or swim. Or we're going to like, we're going to make guys do push-ups on the field. I don't know what you do. 
but they're worse than Vanderbilt. Like that's what I would do. I would just have somebody with a with a with a bullhorn. Like you're still worse than Vanderbilt. Like the whole time during practice. Like drive that point home because that's embarrassing. Okay, right? I mean, I'll make I'll make Vanderbilt play you know Utah and in Tennessee, and I'm sure they'll they'll be right there with Florida. But no, I, I get it. And and some of the personnel and, and recruiting rankings, and uh, and look, I had that conversation uh, today on Twitter. Uh, I think a lot of it, you know. We know just too many times, and I think you've even said it too, you know, we don't need 10 pass rushers. You know, we got a lot of guys playing at a position there. No true linebackers at the linebacker position, except for Shamar James, uh, Scooby Williams uh, to a point, Ventro Miller. Uh, there's not a lot, of, a lot of linebackers to count on. I think they've probably missed uh, a lot with safety. Uh, I don't, I don't not sure where you point to with safety, at least with the youth that's there now too uh, at, at the same time. Uh, corner, you know, we'll see. Uh, hopefully it plays better uh, at, at the same time. I mean, you can go look at every position group. And, you know, as far as recruiting goes, defensive line linebackers, I'll go there. I just think there's so many guys playing out of position. Uh, but at, at the same time, Will, I, and I know with, with as bad as it is, I think a lot of people can point to, you know, where where is the accountability? Where is coaching going to make the difference? I mean – I guess the, the question I have is if you put these guys on Vanderbilt's defense and gave them that scheme, <laughs> do, you, do you think that they would play better? I mean, I, I, I mean, it's an honest question. And I look at the defense and I go, other than Carter and, and Kyrie Elam, yeah. you, I looked at this defense before the, before the season started and said, they're going to be better. Like Ventrell Miller's coming back. He missed all last year. They missed having him in the middle of the defense. Okay, Marty Bernie's coming back. He's not great, but he's he's going to be serviceable there. You got Trevez Johnson and Rashad Torrance, who've had plenty of time to get acquainted to the safety position in the SEC. The speed isn't going to surprise him. Helm had a lot of time at, at cornerback last year. Yeah, he got beat a few times, but he's gonna he's gonna improve. Jason Marshall, five star guy coming into a second year, should come into his own. Desmond Watson should be able to help against the run game. Knock things. Now, I mean, I think the one place we looked at the defensive line and said, ooh, I hope we don't have any injuries. But we haven't any injuries. No, yeah, and, and, and it's still that's bad. A good, that's, so, a, that's a good point, too. And yeah, look, No I mean, injuries. I, I, go ahead, go ahead. I mean, I'm going over the top here, and I'm doing it intentionally to be kind of amusing, and and, and it is sort of uh, sort of ridiculous in, in some ways to, to hold the previous staff accountable for the guys who are out there. But at the same time, like these guys are talented players, and your job as a coach is to get them in the right position. Now, if they screw up when they're in the right position, well – that was one of the problems that we had with Dan Mullen and Todd Grantham is a, a, through, a shoe gets thrown and the guy's still out there. Like, we haven't had anything that egregious, but we have had situations where pretty clearly coverages are being busted and, you know, there isn't that next line of people to come in. And maybe that's the place where you look at recruiting and system and that sort of stuff and say, look, there just isn't that next line of people to come in. You're trying to win the game and you, you're trying to win the game by having these guys in there hoping that it's going to click. And, you know, same thing with Anthony Richardson, that game against Kentucky. I, mm-hmm. mean, I think most people who watched that game went, oh, man, if Jack Miller was around, it'd really be good to give him like one series just to let Richardson sort of cool off. But look, they weathered that storm. They went all the way through it. And I think that's going to be the story for this defense going forward. I mean, again, if they finish the season worse than Vanderbilt in like advanced metric categories, like that's that's terrible because it means you haven't gotten any better throughout the year if they end up working themselves down into like the lower third of the sec by the time the season ends then i think you can start to feel a little bit better about it but right now five games in giving up 12 plays 
that are between 10 and 19 yards, along with another five plays over 20 yards to Eastern Washington, not being able to get off the field, third down conversions, they've been terrible. They've been giving up over 50% conversions on that. Um, you know, guys out of position, guys missing tackles, um, busted coverages, all sorts of stuff. I mean, you just sort of look at it and go, I, I saw it in the comments, and I think I said it last week, like, what's the identity of the defense? Mm -hmm. Like, what do you hang your hat on and say, on third and four, this is what we're going to run, and maybe the defense knows it's coming, or maybe the offense knows it's coming, but we don't care because we think we have people who are going to be able to win this battle given the fact that that we've put them in the right position to be able to succeed. And there just isn't that right now, and they're going to need to work on that, and they're going to need to develop that. Otherwise, you know, we're going to be sitting here in January, and I'm going to go, that was a really good season from the offense. <laughs> now we know where we need to improve. And, hey, I mean, look, the team gave up what 50 something points to Sanford last year. Yeah. So 17 to Eastern Washington, including two in the last two touchdowns in the last, you know, for six, seven minutes of the game. Not, it's an improvement. There's the improvement. But, uh, we joked about that. Hey, Florida did improve. They held an FCS opponent to 17 points. <laughs> yeah, but the the only problem is that Florida also cared in this game, right? I mean, the Gators came out and, and gave a damn, and they didn't really care in that Sanford game. So, um, Look, a lot to improve on. That's the the good news is is I don't think it takes a lot for things to improve, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's don't bust something on every play versus you know it's it's a percentage, and I think it's it's that old thing with the low hanging fruit, right? There's a lot of low hanging fruit right now that you can grab to improve, and so I'm not asking them to be a top three defense in the SEC. I'm asking them to not be worse than Vanderbilt. I think that's a reasonable ask, and um, you know that's where they need to be come three, four, five games from now. Otherwise, when they get into the teeth of the schedule, when you got LSU, Georgia, A&M, South Carolina, Florida State even looks decent. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the back end of the schedule looks more difficult than it did earlier in the year, other yeah. than the fact that Spencer Rattler looks terrible. But Florida's made every quarterback look great this year, so you know maybe Spencer Rattler will have the game of his life in that game too. And you know that's the thing is is with the teeth of the schedule coming up they're just going to have to improve what that looks like whether it's young guys i i, I really don't know because it's not one position where you look at it and go right. that's the guy or those are the two guys or those are the three guys who are killing everything it's one time it's miller the next time it's james the next time it's cox the next time it's it's dexter the next time it's marshall the next time it's torrance you just sort of go down the list and and at some point that's going to have to stop all right here's what billy napier had to say after the game yesterday on the defense Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas.
beneficial for the future, Will. Young players, I think we would, like you said, we want to probably see some more of those guys as the season goes on. Uh, now you got past that early season onslaught. And I think, look, I don't think there was much game planning for Eastern Washington. But my worry is that's a game where you just go win matchups. That's a game where you're more physical, you're more talented, you're bigger, you're faster, and it didn't look like that on the defensive side of the ball. So that's where you know that that's where the disappointment uh, there for me uh, comes in. And we'll kind of go on one more point in, in, in the coaching side of it. How many times did I say this offseason, And I'm not the only one, but you know I'll I'll, I'll, I'll take some shame here. This defense is going to be just better because Todd Grant was not on the sideline. Well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're still waiting. We're still we're still waiting. So hopefully, as you said, as the season plays plays along, um, they they do get better. Um, Tennessee's a really really good offense. They won't play another explosive offense uh, that way. But as Will said, plenty of other offenses out there that can test this Gators defense. Well, I mean, every offense out there is testing this Gator defense right now. Uh, but ones uh, that can you know Florida's not out there ready to play that can really really make it ugly and. Kind of as we said, right now, if you take a look at the rest of the season, Florida's going to probably have to win a lot of games in shootout fashion. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what games you look at and go, win. Like, There's I, I, not. There's nothing that you just say, oh, I go into this knowing Florida's going to win by three touchdowns. I mean, I, Florida I, mean, I was surprised when somebody told me it was a Bull Gator telling me Florida was 10 point favorites versus Missouri in that game start, starting out 10 point favorites. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe. I mean, I, I know it's true. I can't believe that. So Missouri's bad on offense. They're 82nd overall in yards per play. They're 25th in yards per play allowed on defense. Florida 110th in the country against FBS opponents. That doesn't even include the yards they gave up against Eastern Washington. They're giving up 6.2 yards per play. They were 25th on offense, though, in yards per play. So you start looking at the differentials there, and you go, okay, well, this is something where Florida's defense or Florida's offense is a strength. Missouri's defense is a strength. Missouri's offense is a weakness. Florida's defense is a weakness. Hey, does that stuff even out over time? Do you say Anthony Richardson greater than than uh, Brady Cook? Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll take Florida. I mean, I think that's the logic. But Florida's defense has been so bad that I mean, are they going to be able to get Missouri off the field? I mean, you know, they cash in a couple of those drives against Georgia, and that's a completely different game. Granted, it didn't seem like Georgia was all that interested in being there for the first three quarters of the game. But uh, hey, I called it. I said it was going to be a tough game for Georgia, and it was. <laughs> well, you know, again, come on, Drinkwitz, like finish the deal. What's going on here? Be aggressive. Um, so hopefully they come in there flat, right? I mean, hopefully that was sort of Missouri Super Bowl. They're now two and three. You're coming into the swamp. It's going to be warm. You're used to that cold weather up there in, uh, up there in Columbia. Yeah. And I watched the you Auburn have- game the week before, Auburn, Missouri. I mean, they should have won that game, but they're, I mean, they're not a good team. They got blown out by Kansas State. Right. So, I mean, you, you look at the things that they've done, and, and look, Cook, Cook has been bad all year long. And so, you know, QB rating a 134 against Louisiana Tech, 80 against Kansas State. Hey, 185 against Abilene Christian, then 112 against Auburn and 123 against Georgia. You really look at that Georgia game. One of the reasons why they lost is because Brady Cook (laughs) wasn't very good in that game. So then that's the question, right? I mean, USF has been awful on offense ever since the game against Florida. And Florida couldn't get them off the field. And that's the thing that has me worried is you look at a team like South Florida who just has not had a good offense all year long, and they work the Gators' defense. So why do I have confidence that they're going to be able to get Missouri off the field even though Missouri struggled? I don't. And what that means is is that when we start looking at all of these games coming down, coming down the pike, 
yeah, it's entirely possible that Anthony Richardson can put up 42 points and Florida can win. It's also entirely possible Florida has a couple of turnovers and is struggling coming from behind in one of these games and just can't get off the field. The def- you know, Basically what happened against Tennessee, right? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, early in that first quarter, Florida wasn't able to cash in those first couple drives. But the, from that point on, Florida was scoring. They were going for it on fourth down. They were doing all sorts of stuff, going up and down the field. They were just behind, right? You, you had the touchdown at the end of the half, the touchdown coming out of halftime. All of a sudden, Tennessee's up 14 points, and Florida gets it down to seven, and then it's back to 14. Florida gets it down to seven, back up to 14. Finally, you have the fumble, and and that's sort of what ends up what ends up costing the game. And, and as turnover-prone as Anthony Richardson's been, I wouldn't be surprised if Florida drops a game that we all sort of penciled in as a win coming into this year, the way the way the defense has played, just because look, at some point you gotta get stops. And there there was one three and out, I think, in this game. Eastern Washington averaged like seven point two plays per drive. Like over a twelve drive period. They had they had a couple of fourteen play drives and some other stuff too. Like you're just you're gonna have to get off the field. Hopefully we see it, right? Hopefully it starts to sort of um Hopefully it starts to turn. Hopefully we start to see some stuff that that suggests. And look, I mean, the other thing I think that's worth remembering is two weeks ago, that's what we were left with going to the Tennessee game is hopefully Anthony Richardson could come out and play well. Yep. Don't have a lot of confidence he's going to, but hopefully he can. We've seen it's in there somewhere. I don't know where it went. Hopefully it'll come out. And these guys all played better last year. It's pretty much the same defense, except for a couple of guys. So hopefully they'll start to turn that corner. And that's sort of what we're hinging our hinging our hopes for the rest of the season on is, is that we start to see that sort of improvement. I think we will. I think it'll be slow. I think some of these young guys are going to have to get worked in. I think Kamari Wilson getting his first start last week sort of a big deal, um, especially if he can execute. Like, you know, I, I saw in the comments here people talking about bad technique being taught and ingrained in some of these guys who've been in the program for three or four years. Well, Wilson doesn't have any of that. Right. No you, you, that. He, right. I was yeah, these new guys, you know, they they don't have those bad habits. Well, and so they're gonna they're going to um you know, the, they don't have any excuse to have bad habits. So if they miss it, it's on the coaches, right? Is that the uh <laughs> <laughs> is that the way we'll do it from here on out? No, look, I mean, and the, the defense is good. And youthfulness and inexperience. You know, let's go. <laughs> well, look, I mean, I go back to what I said at the beginning of the year, especially after the Kentucky game, is nobody thought Florida was winning the national title this year. So let's make every game entertaining. Let's be in every game. Let's see improvement from game to game as things progress. And then let's be happy with that. It's not going to be a shutdown defense this year, but it wasn't a shutdown defense in 2007. Team won the national title in 08. Now, granted, they had to add Janoris Jenkins, <laughs> they, but Major Wright and Joe Hayden and Ahmad Black all got a lot of time in 2007. And by the time 2008 came around, those guys were the veterans who helped turn things around. I'm not saying Florida's going to win the title next year either, but what I am saying is, is that there are growing pains. We've seen growing pains for defenses for Gator teams in the past. That's what they're doing. They're going through these growing pains. The question is going to be, and um, you posted a link from Josh Pate earlier today where mm-hmm. he sort of talked about the idea of having the essentially what he was saying was the he was talking about Oklahoma, mm-hmm. but it was the idea of you got to take a step back in order to take steps forward. And that's what we're seeing on the defense is they've clearly taken a step back. I think the step back is further than most of us thought it was going to be. Um, well, speaking and, of Oklahoma, sorry. I mean, Britt Venables thought of and highly regarded as one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. You saw what TCU did to them this past <laughs> weekend. Yeah. I mean, they're as you said, they're going to be growing pains. There's going to be steps back. I mean, that was god awful. I mean, TCU could do whatever they wanted to versus that Oklahoma defense, which has a lot of talent. They've recruited well on that side of the ball. Has the best defense, one of the best defensive coordinators in the country, leading them 
and they go out there and throw a clunker out as well. Well, it's also easy to forget. But Dan Mullen's first year, I know the team ends up ten and three, but that that season was just teetering on the edge of being a disaster. That game against Missouri, where Felipe Franks couldn't hit the broadside of a barn in, in two thousand eighteen, was just awful then they have south carolina the next week they were getting booed i mean remember that's the game mm-hmm. that felipe franks runs in for the touchdown while they're still behind and start shushing the crowd right and then florida didn't lose from then on out and a switch was turned and i don't and that was an offensive thing right i mean the mm-hmm. offense had struggled for the first sort of half of the year and then all of a sudden the offense was much much better from that south carolina game on was that a good thing or a bad thing Right. I don't know. Was that a good thing or a bad thing? Do you want a switch to be turned or do we want to see systematically things getting better? And I actually tend to lean to that side. And when you think about I mean, both, both could happen, right? Well, I mean, sure. But I think it's actually um, I think it's informative to look back at the guys who now rule the SEC and their first mm-hmm. year. And what they had to do. And Nick Saban had some real hiccups that first year. I mean, if you look at that first year, you know, not just the loss to Louisiana Monroe, but I think they went seven and six. Like they were a very inconsistent team. They lost to Mississippi State for like the first time in forever that year. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm sure the Alabama message boards were very complimentary of Saban at the time, (laughs) you know, and, and, you know, that he had lost it while he was at Miami. And why did we bring that guy back from, you know, probably why did we bring that fraud? I guarantee you they used the word fraud. Why did we bring that fraud back from the Dolphins? Like he's an LSU guy. He's here sabotaging us, all sorts of stuff. And now what, six national championships later, um, I think Alabama – Hey, you still go to the message boards. There were still people complaining about him this weekend because it was close against Arkansas. But, uh, you know – my point is, is and if you look at Smart, he was eight and five, had a really bad loss against Tennessee, a couple other bad losses there that first year. It takes time. And it's okay that it takes time, but we want to start seeing progress, right? And so, yeah, we want to see the defense be fantastic. And I don't think there's any re- any excuse for the defense to be ranked below Vanderbilt in a bunch of these categories. But if taking these steps back allows them to essentially, I mean, is it, I mean, are they in the process of essentially proving you guys need to do this our way? No. And if you're not going to do it our way, then we're going to put in the young guys who will. And that this Eastern Washington game was sort of an opportunity to start to establish that as the culture. Okay. Well, now we're going to see them playing not like a top, not like a you know team ranked 110th in defense, but maybe they start playing like a team ranked 80th. And then they play like a team ranked 70th and 60th and 50th. And and that's it. They're not going to be a top 25 defense this year. I, that's out the window. They're not going to win one-on-one battles. They're going to have to do some things that are unique to get pressure. But I'm also not sure they want to do that sort of stuff, right? I mean, I think if, if Patrick Tony wanted to make the defense better with a short-term Band-Aid solution, he probably could. The question is, is does that short-term Band-Aid solution accomplish what you're trying to accomplish long-term? And that's a balance that Napier and Tony are going to have to meet because it's no fun getting your brains beat in. I can't imagine the defense is really happy with itself when it comes in after having let a team drive right down the field. And so, you know, it's a process. And the question is balancing that, hey, we need to have some success and raise the confidence with, hey, we need to actually do it the right way. We can't take shortcuts. And, you know, I, I think if you look at the Mullen era, the the uh, sort of ethos of that era was we're going to take shortcuts in terms of what it takes to build a championship program because we believe we can out scheme the opposition. And for the most part, they're actually pretty close to correct. 
I mean, Dan Mullen was able to put up point after point after point against Alabama. The problem is they couldn't stop him on the other side. And, you know, it turns out that you do need those horses in there to do that sort of stuff. And so from a program perspective, and I think I said this last week about Napier, that the decisions he made on fourth down, the decisions he made to go for two when it was unconventional when they were down by 17 and scored, those sorts of things make me have confidence that he has a process in place. And look, I don't know anything about the inner workings of what's going on with the defense, what's going on with Patrick Tony, but if Tony is struggling, I think Napier has processes in place to help people who are struggling and potentially make decisions that need to be made. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to be easy to be canned or anything like that, but what I am saying is, is that there are processes in place to help Patrick Tony get his guys in the right position, and I have confidence in that because of the way Napier has approached the games, because of the way he's sort of approached the program in general, and so I think fans should also have that as well because you're going to start to see improvement both as this season goes along, but then going to next season as well. All right, good stuff there, Will. And we'll end it right here with uh, the, of course, schedule kind of change, playing Eastern Washington on a Sunday. Uh, what does that mean for Billy Napier and his program moving forward? Yeah, well, probably one one reason why I lean saying you know there probably wasn't much of a game plan for Eastern Washington because Billy Napier just comes out and says, well, on Thursday we were preparing for Missouri, so <laughs> uh, look, that's probably the way it should be. You got a conference opponent who, of course, will, will be much tougher than Eastern Washington. Uh, but there you go, uh, Gator fans. If you didn't get to hear Billy Napier uh, and kind of the plan uh, for playing Eastern Washington on Sunday, how it affected last week, how it affected this week, there you go. You kind of see what the team is facing this week. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think uh, the fact that they were playing on Thursday d- gives you hope that, hey, the offense came out and still was able to execute and do what they wanted to yeah. do. At the, at the same time, the defense was not able to come out and execute and do what, do what it wanted to do. There we go. We got it. And, we, we got it, Will. They were just so concentrated on Missouri. There we go. <laughs> we figured it out. That's the, Well, you know what? It's going to be hilarious because this game is going to be 17-16. And it's going to be like nobody can move the ball anywhere. And it's going to be like seven sacks for Florida's defense. And, you know, Brenton Cox will be holding the edge. and be, Like the game will end on like a read option where Cox stays home and, and tackles the quarterback as he tries to come around the edge. I mean, Jervon Dexter will rip, Jervon Dexter will rip somebody's head off. You know I mean? College football is so unpredictable, (laughs) man. And I mean, you know, I I said it last week. It was funny. I I had planned on doing some stuff for the website. We're working on some stuff that's going to be coming up here at the end of the year. And, and I'd been planning on working on some stuff for the website. And then Georgia starts just like gacking it up against Missouri. And I'm like, oh, well, now I got to watch this. <laughs> like, so I'm sitting 
sitting there and, and there's nothing better than sitting there on Twitter with a bunch of Gator fans hate watching Georgia. Like that's a blast. So I'm sitting there doing that, watching the game going, oh, I really should be doing something else. Cause that's how college football is. Right. You had the LSU Auburn game that was on crack too. And then you got yeah. the NC state and then you had the NC state and Clemson game, which, which ironically was the most boring of the three that was going on at that time. Um, you know, so so you never know with college football and that's the thing is we sit here and look at it and you look at the stats and sometimes it works out the way you think it will Mm -hmm. and and uh, like i I, it was so interesting to me that that kentucky game because i had the analysis down pat for that game in terms of road will levis and kentucky's gonna come out and struggle they're not gonna be able to run the ball levis is gonna you know levis is gonna be okay but he's not gonna be great like i had everything except for not in my wildest dreams that I imagine Anthony Richardson will come out and not be able to not be able to complete a 10 yard pass over the middle. And so, you know, the game completely turns because of that. And I think that's one of the things, you know, you mentioned earlier, why can't a switch flip? It can. I have no idea. It's college football. Like it could completely switch. And the good news is they can't get any worse on the, on the yeah. defensive side of the ball. Like it'd be really hard to get, to get that much worse. And so look, they're going to improve on that side of the ball. The only thing you can hope is that the consistency starts to improve overall for both units, quite honestly, is that the offense did a great job against Eastern Washington. Can they build on that against Missouri? The defense struggled against Eastern Washington, but can they build on some of the things, those youth coming in, not giving up the big plays, that sort of stuff against Missouri? And that's what we're looking for is just build, 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 build consistently. And, uh, you know, I think for the most part, people like us who watch the team will will be happy with that because that's what we want to see is we want to see progress. That's been one of the issues that we've we've run into these first four or five weeks is that the 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 progress, especially on the defensive side of the ball, has been lacking so far. Yep, yep, yep. Missouri coming up this week. Gators get back into SEC play. Uh, well, I'm assuming um, you and Nick this week with stand up and holler and also a Missouri preview. Absolutely, you got me pegged. The season's pretty easy. The, the content, <laughs> the content just sort of comes. But if you're uh, interested in looking at sort of what Brady Cook brings on film, that's one of the things that we'll have as as part of the preview. I've been putting a little bit, a few more film clips in the articles this year, trying to explain what's been going on. I think people have been enjoying that. So hopefully, uh, hopefully mm-hmm. everybody does take a look over there. Readingreaction.com. Uh, the preview will be up over there. Yeah, if you didn't get to check it out uh, last week too, we'll you know laid out a little bit how to. You know, how to fix this Florida defense if it can be fixed. So there we go. Um, ugh, maybe a better perform <laughs> maybe a better performance on Saturday. So uh right, Will, anything else, man? Nah, I think just it's been I, I gotta be honest, I've been very impressed by Gator Nation and their um like there were a lot of people watching that game on Sunday. Yeah. And by the time it was like thirty five to three, I'm like, all right, I understand why everybody's gonna check out at this point. But they all stayed around, mm-hmm. watched Kit in a play, and and you know, you, you think about you think about other fan bases and like the Florida State fan base where when they were bad, nobody showed up. And geez, Miami, nobody goes and watches that team play. And the Florida fans just show up week in, week out. So um, this place is special. And I think one of the things that the Eastern Washington game sort of showed to me is how special because a cupcake in the middle of the season moved to Sunday because of a hurricane, all the stuff going on with the hurricane down there. And certainly, you know, thoughts and prayers go out to everybody in that Fort Myers, Cape Coral um, area. I mean, that's Absolutely. my brother and sister live down there. So certainly sort of getting some pictures up, up close of that. But, um, you know, with all that stuff going on to still, you know, 
what, 40, 50,000 people there in the swamp. But, but the level of interest from the people for the content we're putting out there and that sort of stuff. Um, want to thank you first off for that, but then also just, I mean, it really tipped my cap to you in terms of the level of interest, the level of passion for the program. It's a special thing. And I think one of the things that, uh, you know, makes me feel great about the sec makes me feel great about college football but makes me feel great about the university of florida is that level of enthusiasm even for a game where you know quite honestly it's kind of an off week for florida <laughs> it was for napier he was already planning from missouri on thursday so uh you know to have everybody out there and support the program i think is pretty special yep 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 uh, yeah as you said well yeah thoughts to everybody out there dealing with the the aftermath of the hurricane bad bad stuff down here uh in the state of florida hopefully we can give you some type of release the gators can give you some type of relief for Everything that's been going on uh, the, the last week or so. So, all right, that will do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. For Will, I am your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thank you for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. <laughs>